You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to The Better Man Podcast. Adam Tarno here. We got a treat. Today on the podcast, we've got a return guest for his second appearance. So some of the longtime listeners of The Better Man Podcast will recognize this name, but Jeff Kemp is back. Uh, Some of you, maybe some new listeners are going, hold on, Jeff Kemp, I might have had a football card of his back in the day. Didn't he play football? Yeah, that's him. That's Jeff Kemp. He's a former NFL quarterback, and uh, now he is an author and a speaker, and he's got a ministry really uh, focused on men and trying to help men follow the way of Jesus. Uh, His heart and the heart of Better Man line up perfectly. And so that's why we love having Jeff on the podcast. So he's got a new book called Receive the Way of Jesus for Men. That's what we're going to talk about today. He's going to talk about being refathered. He's going to talk about uh, the difference between identity and image. We're going to talk about just what happens when you build your life on this gift that we have received from God, this, this identity, this perfection, this righteousness that's been imputed to us or given to us how that can transform our lives, how we can grow in that, and why we need to, to do that, not in isolation, but with other guys. So you're going to love uh, getting to hear from either Jeff again, for those of you, again, that have been listening for a while or getting to know him for the first time. So enjoy my conversation with Jeff Kemp. Well, Jeff Kemp, welcome back to the Better Man Podcast. I know you've been on here before. We talked about uh, men's huddle, and we talked all about friendship. It was probably a couple years ago, I think, at this point. And I think it was. Yeah, it was great to have you back on. Uh, I don't, I don't mean to like discourage you with this, but I think one of the memorable parts of that conversation we had last time was I asked you who was like, what was the hardest hit you ever had in the NFL? And I think I remember. You talked about, I think you said it was Randy White, right? Like he hit you the hardest you'd ever been hit. Is that right? Or am I making this up? Um, I think I said, I can't remember because it was the hardest hit. I got a concussion and I was knocked out, which works either way. Um, Randy Randy White was like a moving brick wall. Uh, Lawrence Taylor was like something, you know, out of the Marvel movies, uh, a new superpower (laughs) flying at a high speed kind of out of control and they would place him anywhere uh, on the line of scrimmage. You, you wouldn't know where he was. Our coach was yeah. worried, totally worried about him. But uh, um, yeah, there were more than a few guys. And that I was glad I played hard. on Reggie White's team rather than always against him. <laughs> yeah. So if you watch, we're going to get to all the serious stuff here, but I do want to ask you this. As you watch the NFL today or re- maybe even college football today, are there some guys you see where you're like, I am so glad I'm not on that field anymore? Oh my gosh. Uh, the whole caliber of athletes has moved upwards. Yeah. The size, the speed, uh, the training, uh, kind of honing it all. I mean, we had unbelievable guys playing when I played, uh, Mike Singletary and of course, Reggie and the Lawrence Taylors. Um, and you mentioned Randy White, uh, wide receivers, Jerry Rice and stuff, but the quantity of guys that every player is so fast and so strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty intense game. And, it really uh, is. You know, a year, a year would have been great to play these days because of the salary. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. Those, those numbers have gotten real. So, uh, well, anyway, that's good. I, we're, again, we're, we're grateful that you're back on, uh, here today. You got a new book and that's going to be really the, the basis of our conversation today. The book is called receive the way of Jesus for men, was released uh, in November of 2023. 
And so, Jeff, I want to start off here and ask you this, like, what was the moment where the idea for this book was birthed in your heart? Do you, do you know where you were? Do you know a little bit about that moment where you were like, okay, I think there's something here I need to put pen to paper? Well, I left um, family life, a ministry role that I had for five years back in 2017, 18. Uh, I'd run Stronger Families for a long time working on marriage and fatherhood. And when I left family life, I figured the main thing I do was be speaking mm -hmm. and ministering to men with a little bit of business and leadership on the side. And it kind of took a while for that to flesh out. And that's really where I've gone. And then the focus is completely on building men and their identity and kind of the blueprints of relationships uh, and living like Jesus, the ultimate man. So I knew that I wanted to write a book to kind of encapsulate uh, the messaging that God had been teaching me and having me give guys. Hmm. But Adam, I was going to call it um, real good man. Yep. Real meaning authentic, honest, you know, uh, visible in the light. Don't fake it. And good, not like you have your act together and you're perfect, but yeah. benevolent, good for others. Yeah. All right. And uh, it was during 2020 when COVID hit. I had a speech in California to a men's conference cancel, and then boom, all six of my traveling, speaking men's conferences and retreats for the uh, spring of 2020 canceled. And mm. all of a sudden, it was kind of a blitz. And my wife said, hey, well, the good news is you've been traveling too much and speaking too much, and I'm lonely, and now you can come <laughs> home. Plus, yes. aren't you supposed to write that book you've been talking about for two years? Um <laughs> And I said, yeah, cool. I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you. Uh, and I, I want to write the book. Um, but I was reading about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm. That was going to be the core of this book, Real Good Man. Um, but at the same time, I also asked God to refather me. I had a great, mm. encouraging, incredibly motivating, you know, unconditionally loving father. But he was kind of a big deal. He was a great achiever, a great leader. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of probably had some uh, insecurities over, am I significant enough because of my dad? And it was a very performance-oriented encouragement, not necessarily identity and faith uh, and character. So I said, God, I'd like to be refathered. Hmm. And I remember this. This is probably in, in March, Adam. Uh, yeah. I started reading the Bible as a son, listening to his dad, and hmm. it came alive to me. Wow. And in reading about Jesus, something just popped out to me. Jesus didn't perform his manhood. Hmm. He didn't gain his masculinity. He didn't earn his identity or achieve it. Everything he did was as a result of his humble, dependent relationship with his heavenly father, who he called hmm. Abba. And he said, I receive my work. I receive my words from the father. I can do nothing apart from the father. And that's the point at which I went, wow, I cannot write a book that lets men fall back into the performance trap, even the Christian yeah. character yeah. performance trap. It's got to be receive. So yep. I changed the title. Couldn't figure out the subtitle for a while. Uh, a couple of people said it was weak until I, I asked a, a friend and he said, well, the subtitle, The Way of Jesus, that's pretty strong. Why don't you just hit that? So that's how it happened. Um, Isn't that amazing? Early 2023. Early, yeah. early 2020, excuse me. Yeah. Well, Jeff, that's a great story. It's really interesting. Um, you could almost 
probably create an entire podcast with authors talking about bad titles, bad subtitles that they had, and just all the different versions of a book that they went through. And, uh, you know, that excellence to get something out there, to put it out to the world, it takes a lot of work. So I can empathize with what you were talking about there and just that that journey that you're on with all that. I want to come back to a couple of the things that you said there, though, uh, here in a moment. Very specifically, I want to talk a little bit later about the refathering idea, because I think that's interesting. But you know, you mentioned the word identity and that this is something that we receive, not something that we go and earn. And if I think about just my own manhood journey, I mean, identity is one of those those concepts that uh, rarely have I been hanging around a group of guys and the word identity comes up. Um, or, or let me say this, uh, outside of church context, you know, when I before I knew Jesus, men are not sitting around talking about identity. This is this is one of these 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 topics that's not always top of mind for a lot of men. Uh, why, do, why do you think that is? I think it's an uncomfortable area um, to get a handle on and B, to think about because you're always kind of measuring yourself against your own expectations, against hmm. uh, other people, expectations for you. Comparison is so huge in our performance-oriented society. Your image, you know, what degree mm-hmm. of image success do I present? And frankly, most every single guy feels less than whatever his best version is that he's projecting. And yeah. he's trying to project success to feel good about himself. Yeah. So that's a, it's an awkward area to talk about because of our insecurities and our comparison and not living up to it. Um, secondly, I think we talk more about um, what do I do than who I am. Hmm. It's a lot easier. You know, the first question, hey, where do you work? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who are you? What do you do? Um, as opposed to who are you and who are you related to? Yeah. What's the essence of you? That is identity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, God is a relational God, Father, mm-hmm. Son, Spirit, always relating in perfect love and glorifying one another and working together. And he made us relational, but we've developed such capacity, such accomplishment, such sense of power and control um, that we've got a very independence-minded culture. Mm -hmm. The Western American culture particularly, and it carries over into Christianity. You know, Christian dudes are trying to do their job thing, husband thing, Christian thing. and, you know, it's, we shift what it was that we're impressing people with. You know, it might have been cars and stat sheets um, or women that we can date. Uh, it may switch over to, man, am I giving money to the church? Uh, mm-hmm. Am I going on mission trips? Am I on such and such a board of such and such a ministry? Um, you know, how my family looks? Do we walk into church together and have nice sweaters on? <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, but it's still kind of appearance and performance. Yeah. Um, So at the root, I heard someone say the two most important things about who you are determining how you're going to live, the two most important things shaping your life. And this is very sticky, you know, rubber meets the road stuff. Hmm. Number one is your view of who God is. And your number two is your view of who you are. Hmm. And that is identity, Adam. Hmm. But if your view of that has never thought through the concept of identity, who am I in the eyes of the creator God? Who yeah. am I after Jesus came along and saved me? Who am I after Abba Father adopted me 
Um, and who am I today? Am I putting my confidence, my security, um, my sense of self and worth, um, my vision for what I'm going to do tomorrow or how I'm going to treat my wife or son today, am I putting it into who God says I am? Mm-hmm. Or who I kind of feel like I am based on what everyone's seeing me as. And that's a lot of external definition of identity, which isn't identity. It's image. Yeah, that's and I good and I like that distinction and you make that distinction in the book, the difference between image and identity. Cause yeah, especially in our culture today, image uh, wasn't that Sprite, right? Like uh, image is everything or something like that. I think that was their tagline. No, it was uh, was Andrew Addison. And I tell the story in the book about the dude was a great performer, unbelievable champion tennis player, driven by his dad, who was totally a performance-driven patriarch, pushing his son like a coach. Andre said he hated tennis. The dude was Mm -hmm. amazing at it, but he hated it. It was almost like a toil to not lose. And B, they figured out marketing. And Andre Agassi is the one who coined the phrase, image is everything in his canon cameras. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it didn't work out so well. I mean, he he ended up going bald early, and his image is the you know the swashbuckling blonde bombshell on the tennis court um, caused him to wear a, a hairpiece. Yeah, and one day it was it was starting to come loose in the shower early in the morning when he was uh, finishing a training after a training match, and then he had a match later in the day, and he felt like it was going to come off, and he was all panicked about it. And it messed up his match and he lost the match. But image is everything. And his sense of I'm losing my image caused him to crash and burn that day. Now, our crashes and burns are much bigger than that many times, but it's a great metaphor. Yeah, it really is. And again, that, that is... Uh, that is the easy stuff to do in life is to just focus on an image. The the hard work in life is to think about the identity. And so what's coming to my mind is just is just this analogy of the tree and the roots versus the the trunk and the fruit, you know, and and the leaves and the branches. That that what we see when we walk through our neighborhood and see a tree, uh, that's the image. Uh, but but where that the source of all of that, the beauty that we see or anything that there, the source of it is the roots. And that root is for us as followers of Jesus. I love how you're saying that these two big things that really are at the root of who we are is what do we think about when we think about God, right? That A.W. Tozer quote. So what are we thinking of there with him? How do we view God? And then and then how do we view ourselves? That, that's important uh, in all of that. And that's not something you can just a- answer real quickly for 30 seconds and during a Bible study. I mean, a lot of us, that takes some time and some effort uh, to try that stuff on and to think through that. Is that, is that ring true for you? Is that part of your journey with this? Well, it's a journey for sure. And and men kind of embrace their masculinity and manhood in the company of others. That's why it's so important to receive that father's blessing, mm-hmm. the right passage, which our culture is completely missing. Um, you know, Robert Lewis brought it in. Um, John Tyson's been talking about it. Um, uh, John Trent wrote the book, The Blessing, which is awesome at it. But um, I don't think it should be intimidating because the really good news is when you dig into who am I in a relational sense based on who God is mm-hmm. and what he's done for me and then what he calls me as his adopted beloved son, giving me credit for everything that Jesus has done. When you dig into that, um, you're going to discover so much freedom you're going to start breaking down that stupid insecurity that drives you every minute of the day. I'm, cocky, cocky, cocky guys are insecure. 
Mm-hmm. You know, aloof guys are insecure. Uh, insecure looking guys are insecure. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all that junior higher just in a grown up body. Always wondering, what does she think of me? What does he think of me? What's the mm-hmm. crowd think of me? Um, the only answer to that is going on this identity journey mm-hmm. and figuring out that there's a God who, because Jesus wiped out all your sin, including the future sin, and then he gives you credit for his righteousness. That's what allows a perfect God to adopt you as his son and have this yeah. fellowship where Jesus says, dude, I'm going to live inside of you. It's better that I leave this world and plant my Holy Spirit in all of you at the same time than, I, than if I stay here. If, if God is able to dwell in us through his Holy Spirit and let us hang out with him, as Jesus did with the, you know, Peter and the guys uh, at the campfire, um, he must have found some solution to this us imperfect, him perfect issue. Yeah. Yeah. And it is this. He gives us credit for Jesus's perfection. He sees us yeah. in, as the, the perfected future version of ourselves yep. in heaven and gives us credit for it right now. If we receive that as his mm-hmm. view of us, it gives you the guts, Adam, yeah. to be real with your wife and admit, ah, you're right. My motives weren't really good. I, I want to apologize. I wasn't thinking about you there. Or especially with guys, you need a couple close friends. The depth of your friendship is determined by how open and honest and real are you. And if you're always afraid, oh, it matters so much to me what they think of me. I don't want to have them think less of me. If you know God thinks completely well of you, you can risk it That's and right. share the real stuff with your buddy. And ironically, he's going to think way better of you when you're honest than when you're not. Yeah. That's what my buddy Tim Spiker calls like uh, it being inwardly sound, right? That you're secured and settled. And uh, that secured and settled spirit, that confidence, um, that that is something that you cannot go out and earn. Uh, that is something I like that you say that that is what we receive. Or if we do feel like we earned it, uh, it's gonna it's gonna fall apart one day. That that doesn't lead to confidence. That'll lead to cockiness, or that'll lead to pride and to arrogance, and these things that can be very destructive in our relationships. But it is when we have been given that gift and the humility that it even comes to know, like I did nothing to deserve this. I just opened the gift that was given to me, and I'm just living in the in the lavish uh, generosity of God in my life through Jesus. Then uh, that produces a secured and settled person. Uh, yeah. It impacts every relationship, right? It protects you from pride. And yeah. like you mentioned pride, but pride is the root of mankind's fall. Pride is the root of every stupid argument in your marriage. Pride is the root of all the racial division that mm-hmm. doesn't need to exist if we would just look at ourselves through God's eyes. Uh, pride divides people politically, um, you know, socioeconomically. It, it's the divider. Humility yeah. is the healer. Yeah. And um, I got a, a football game where I experienced the protection from pride that can come in and, and really mess you up after you do well. Um, it was my last year of football. We were playing Eagles against uh, Houston Oilers back then. That's the Titans today. It was Monday night football. Yeah. And uh, I just showed up at the Eagles, gosh, four weeks earlier, middle of the season, I was cut by the Seahawks, picked up the next day by the Eagles and had a concussion. The first game I played uh, a few weeks later, Jim McMahon gets hurt. He was our starter. Um, and on the flight from Philly to Houston, I remember for the first time in my life, I was like thinking, man, I don't really want to play this game. I hope (laughs) I don't get in. Um, I've, I've always been the opposite of that. I've been a a backup two years, you know, spread out 
as a starter and the nine years of being a backup. And I was usually like, I hope I get to play. I hope I get to play. Man, I'm ready to play. I can't wait to play and prove myself. This game was like, man, I have zero confidence. Mm -hmm. So I'm not too interested in playing. I hardly know the system. It doesn't make sense to me. I just got here. I had a concussion a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I have no clue how well I'll do or poorly if I get in the game. But there was something even cooler about that. Hmm. I also had zero fear. Hmm. And that had come from walking with God for about 10 and a half years, um, marrying Stacy right after my second season of football, getting discipled, getting trained, making great brothers in Christ, learning who my, you know, my identity wasn't NFL quarterback, it was Jeff. Um, and realizing that God uses troublesome, tough situations to make us depend on him. And I was like, yeah. I'm secure in him, even if I blow it. And I hope I don't. Uh, and even if I do great, okay. He's, he's the source of it. Yeah. Well, of course I got to play that game <laughs> and I finished the game and I was getting smacked around after they knocked man out of the game. And we won the game on a blitz where I ended up on my back, but the ball ended up in the end zone because the tight end made a side adjust. I made a side adjust. People sacrificed. The, the bad crisis turned into a great uh, successful outcome, which is the nature of blitzes and trials and tribulations. It's God's paradigm for fixing this messed up world. Jesus took the ultimate blitz. Mm. But when the game's over, Adam, I walked in the locker room and was shocked. The coach says, hey, I want to give a game ball to Jeff Kemp for how well he did under the toughest of circumstances. And I was almost laughing inside. I was protected from my taking the credit. Yep. And feeling that, you know, moxie and that pride. And my ego was out of it. And it was totally a gift from God. Mm. Salvation is a gift. Yeah. Transformation to be conformed to the image of Christ is a gift. Hmm. Um, your identity is a gift. You receive it. You don't achieve it. You're a son. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Talk about that thing that you alluded to earlier in this conversation about when you ask God to refather you. So I, th I think I've got in my mind what that means, but um, to me, that sounds like something maybe if if we had a an earthly father that was less than perfect or maybe had a bad situation, that would be an important step. But it sounds like, you know, you and I are similar. We had great dads, right? We had great dads who loved us, who cared about us. They were present. Uh, they were there. So that's not an indictment on our earthly father, but it is an important step in the spiritual journey. Oh, yeah. Uh, this idea of being refathered. So we talk more about that. Well, I got the idea from a guy that had a Navy dad that had driven him to success. Yeah. And there's some resentment there, but it led to a performance style of living that got him into the NFL. And then he became a pastor and he realized he was doing his pastoring and his Christian thing in the same performance style. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't working with his wife or his daughters. You know, he was losing their heart with, hey, the Bible says this, let's go. Come on, let's take the mountain. Um so he asked God to refather him, realizing that he probably needed a different concept of God than the one he got from his hard-driving Navy father. Mm. Yeah. And you are right that guys without a dad, guys with an absent dad, guys with a passive dad, or a negative, critical, never-satisfied dad, um, they really need refathering. But so does the guy with a good dad, because there's yeah. no perfect dads. Yeah. And the best job of any dad is to drive his kids to the perfect dad. Hmm. That's the best and most important job you've got. So anyway, I had this fabulous, encouraging dad, but I realized I took a whole lot of his encouragement and I kind of formed an image of the type of success I'd be in life. 
a significant Christian leader, uses NFL career for God, uh, but it was still a significance mentality. Yeah. And I probably filtered God the Father, Abba Father, through the, the Jack Kemp, you know, Jeff Kemp's daddy lens. But more importantly, I just realized there's great wisdom at getting to be more intimate with Abba Father. So that's what I chose to do. Yeah. A, by saying it. B, I wrote it down in my journal. Uh, C, I started reading the Bible and praying, literally, as a son. I'd start the day with like one or two minutes, Adam. And I, I, do, I do this continually still. I just say, hey, thank you, Father, that I get to be your son because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Help yeah. me live as a son today. Yep. And I'm going to sit here for a minute or two. And if you want to shape my day, get my thinking going the way you want, feel free to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm about to jump on a plane and go speak. So I have no time for a quiet time today, um, but I want to be listening to you. Or, hey, I'm about to open up the Bible. I want to read it as a son. What do you want to say to me? I- I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. So that has been my refathering process, including asking God some questions in my journal that come into my mind from time to time. Yeah. So good. But a lot of it had to do with this recalibrating my identity and letting go of my quest for significance. Yeah. Uh, and that obsession to do more and be more and be better that I've felt my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And just to rest in what, in what God has given us, right? That again, going back to that title of receive, it well, really Isaac, encouraging. Yeah. Let me jump on top of this, to yeah. interrupt you, which is one of my uh, faults that I always have to apologize <laughs> to my wife for. Um, John, Jesus said, if you hang out with me, if you connect to me, if you make me the priority, if you listen and talk to me, if you live in me, if you dwell in me, if you abide is the is the word that we see in the Greek and English. If if you abide in me as the source of life, your vine, then I'm going to push real life, real manhood, real masculinity, mm. real love, real truth, real productivity. I'm going to push it through you and it's just going to happen like fruit. And then you can say thank you to me because all you did is get grafted into me, the vine, and stay there. I'm asking mm. you to remain and rest and dwell in me. Yeah. Do you sense that, that how, how that ties in totally to the receive yeah. concept yeah. of just receiving the life that the vine is bringing into you? But we don't proactively very often make abiding look like starting your day with Abba Father, saying, Jesus, be in control of me. I'm going to listen to you today. What's your word going to say to me? How do you want me to go forward. What should I say to my wife? What should I not say to my wife, to my daughter? How about work today? Are you going to guide me or is that a separate category and I'll just live on my own until I come home and you know have to give a tithing check or something? No. Right. Every single thing, you can listen to him and have him guide you. Jesus said, apart from my father, I can do and I do nothing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was really encouraging to see uh, a lot of similarities between the definition that Better Man uses for what it means to be a man, talking about the four W's with the word and protecting God's women and work and trying to better the world and to see that incorporated in this resource as well. So uh, what is it about that, that, you know, those four W's that really resonates with you and uh, is resonating with men through this resource right now? Well, I highlighted what Robert's mentored and taught me and so many other men through the years. 
um, Robert Lewis yeah. and kind of the core uh, messaging from Better Man. But then I went a step further and I said, you know, those are kind of the what's of manhood. Hmm. Uh, cherishing, loving, and, and following the word, making it your authority. And of course, Jesus is the word. None of us worship the Bible. Right. We worship Jesus of the Bible. And we, we want to eat that Bible, eat, chew that Bible, have that, those words, those scriptures, you know, flowing through us. Um, and then man and woman are the ultimate team made in God's image. We need each other. And marriage is like the ultimate picture. So protecting the vulnerable woman, honoring the girl you're dating, treating sexuality as if it's an amazing gift that's supposed to be open at Christmas time, which is wedding mm -hmm. versus opened anytime and compromise yeah. it and, and lead to mistrust and comparison. Um, and then fully commit as a, a covenant husband to that, to that wife. Um, and then your work, man, God made us to do things, to climb mountains, to achieve things, to conquer things. The receive title, some guys said sounded passive. Obviously the way of Jesus isn't passive. Um, Jesus came on this earth to accomplish the greatest mission. Those mm -hmm. 12 dudes that he turned into his friends changed the world. They accomplished some Amen. serious mission. Uh, yeah. You're supposed to write some great code. You're supposed to be an excellent high school coach. You're supposed to, you know, be a solid entrepreneur and make a good product and treat your employees fabulously well and add value to the economy. Um, and then finally, improve this world. You're a steward, man. Tend the garden. Mm. Take care of it. Yeah. And that, that means your neighborhood, um, being a part of your church community, caring for the poor, you know, fighting for justice, speaking truth in a gentle, loving way, not as if we're better than people. We just have been graced by receiving this amazing Savior and the truths we can find that are reliable in the Word. But even so, those things, you could turn them into a performance effort. Right. And that's why there are kind of four sections to this book. I call them the four ways of Jesus. The first was receive. Hmm. The second is transform. Keep changing. Yeah. Romans 8.29 says your purpose in life is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Sanctification really means going from proud to humble, from selfish to unselfish, from insecure to secure, from self-centered to other-centered, from Jeff-like to Jesus-like, still with Jeff's crazy personality and sense of humor. Um, that, that part's okay, but my character's got to be like Jesus. And I need to help transform situations from not so healthy and divided into healthy and united. Yep. That's the nature of a fallen world. We're transforming things, bringing them back into God's order. That's yeah. Um, but it's you that's transforming, right? So yep. receive, transform, huddle, which is the way of Jesus is friendship. Connect yep. deeply on a regular basis with your deepest level five friends. And if you don't, you won't be living in the light. You won't be living teamwork. You'll be feeling isolated and lonely, even if you're out achieving big things in the world. That's right. Which we see tons of super successes that are collapsing inside because they feel alone and unknown. And then finally, um, we lift others the mm. way Jesus lifted us. And I use that as an acronym as well. Life is for transformation. We help people 
transform themselves and the situations. So Jesus received this stuff. He was changing. Um, he changed from heavenly form to the earthly form. He grew as a boy into a man uh, and, and then, you know, uh, went on call as a mission. Um, and so those are the kind of the ways of Jesus to carry out those four W's. Yeah. And I like what you're saying. And, and to bring it back to that analogy of you receiving that football at the end of that one game, um, if you believe this is something that you go out and achieved on your own strength, then that's going to produce a tremendous amount of pride and arrogance. And there's going to be a lot of frustration along the way. It's not even going to really feel like a journey uh, where, where you were being taken somewhere. It's just going to kind of feel like a, a world filled with entitlement. And you'll probably just remember all the things that you didn't achieve if you're going with that. But if we understand this all starts and is rooted and grounded in the receipt of this gift, of this free gift, well, now, uh, now we're playing with house money, right? <laughs> we, uh, we get to experience so much joy, so much fulfillment, uh, so much where we're just kind of marveling. And it's, it's like, we just feel lucky that we get to be a part of this story, right? We're not the star of the movie, but man, isn't that great that we get to be a part of it? This is his show. This is his movie. And we get to play a small part in it. When you receive, when you receive generosity is the result. Yeah. Because of gratitude. Yeah, that's well said. You're so grateful yeah. that you're then generous and you'll give the credit to other people. You'll give the credit to God. You'll give the credit to the people on the linemen, you know, the receivers, the defense, yeah. Um, yeah. the people around you. So receiving your identity, receiving your manhood, receiving your mission, uh, receiving the ability to play football and win a game, if that was your job, you know, like it was for me back then, you then give God the credit. And you can share it with others, and you're not spoiled by the kryptonite yeah. of glory. Pride and so glory. It's kryptonite. It's screwing up a bunch of Christian leaders, not to mention, you know, secular leaders. Yeah. So that, that's really crucial. Now, um, there's a piece of refathering that I, I didn't I mention to you yet that's in the book. And I drew it from a guy named Dave Patty in a, in, a, in a book he wrote called Father God Daring to Draw Near. And I really used that book as a little bit of a game plan blueprint for being refathered. And he asked the question, and I quickly got answers to, what is my lie? Hmm. And what is my idol? And what is my sin that's resulted from those? Man, the lie that I picked up out of in life with this big dad and this big vision of my future success was present Jeff isn't enough. Who I am today, what I've done today, what I'm doing today, it's not enough. I, I want more. Hmm. My idol... This is possibly because my dad was such an encourager and I shaped this vision of the future that was great. My idol was future Jeff. Hmm. Someday I'd be there, but I wasn't content today because I wanted more. All right. And I wanted mainly significance, some form of success that looked significant in people's eyes, not just shallow. He made some money and got a couple of trophies, yeah. but it was still agreed for, for more. That was my mm -hmm. idol. Um, and it produced a sin of discontentment. I was never satisfied with what God had given me, even though he'd given me so much. And so I couldn't be as fully present in that moment yeah. as I needed to be. So discontentment, dissatisfaction, it leads to ingratitude. And obviously God has given us so much. We should be grateful all day long, whether we just got uh, a Super Bowl championship or got cut from the team, whether you know we got a good clean bill of health or they just said, Dude, we found some serious cancer in you. 
Yeah. You can still be grateful because God adopted you. You're going mm-hmm. to heaven. Every sin is forgiven. He's going to use this cancer as an amazing blitz yeah. to lead more people to the kingdom. That's the view when your identity is rooted in Christ because you get rid of the lie. You get rid of the idol. I, I mm. need this to be feeling like a success. No, you don't. You just were adopted by God. You're already called delighted. He takes pleasure in you. He smiles on you. You know, dudes think that God loves them, but they don't really know for sure that God likes them. He <laughs> no, does because of Jesus. He likes them. He's smiling. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Well, uh, brother, listen, I, I don't think the pandemic happened just so you could write this book, but I'm glad that you had some time to sit down uh, during 2020 to write this book because it's an enormous resource. It's helpful to so many guys. And uh, yeah, I just, I love it. And I love the way you're stewarding your life and continuing to give and to serve uh, through all that. So uh, Jeff, ways that people can find you, is there somewhere you want them to go? Uh, yeah, they can go to jeffkempteam.com jeffkempteam.com. Uh, another pathway there is my ministry to men. It's just called menhuddle.com, yeah. which is a page on there. But Adam, just so much like all the content that Better Man puts out, it's meant to be processed together, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the dudes to talk about together. In, in my case, probably one or two deep level front, five friends, maybe a mentor and you, maybe someone you're mentoring who's needing to figure out this identity and masculinity and manhood thing in such a whacked out culture. Um, or, you know, a small group, because there's a field guide that's free, that's for your own devotions, but especially for two or three guys to process. And it's got the small group uh, questions in there. So that that's my vision, that this book be experiential for the brotherhood, the teamwork, the yeah. deep friendship of men and they can find the the level five friendship playbook that we talked about uh, yeah, last time. Last time. It's, yeah. it's, it's free. And so is the uh, field guide for the receive book, as well as there's a way to buy books in bulk. If you want to give them to a high school football team or your business or a church or yeah. union rescue mission, military, that's my vision, men investing it in other men. I like that. Well, that very much fits with the heart of what we do at Better Man. Uh, this is not a solo journey, right? This is stuff we all do together. And so uh, we very much are cheering you on and appreciate you coming on the podcast today and being so generous with your time. Great conversation. Thanks for being with us. Great to be on the team with you guys, Adam. Thank you. Jeff, once again, thanks for coming on the Better Man podcast. Great to have you on the show again. You might be our first third time guest. So uh, maybe you find a little time, write another book, come up with something else new, and we'd love to have you on. Uh, to just because the way you encourage men, the way you're living your life, and again, just the way your message lines up so well with the heart of what we're trying to do here at Better Man. So we are so grateful uh, for your ministry, grateful for your stewardship of your gifts, and grateful for your time and generosity today. So if you guys, again, if you want to get to know Jeff a little bit more, go to Jeff Kemp Team. That's all one word, jeffkempteam.com. Uh, that's all we got for the Better Man podcast today. Today's episode was produced, mixed, and edited by the team over there at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to all of you again next week. <laughs>